Welcome to Under the Fig Tree Podcast. In today's episode, hosts Reverend Micah Glenn and Reverend Dr. Ben Hout sit down with a special guest as they meditate under the fig tree. What's up, what's up, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Under the Fig Tree. Ben, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. You know, it's uh, we're recording later than we normally do. A little foggy brain. Right. Someday we'll create BTS and people see how many times it takes me to get the podcast going. I mean, there's just, uh, you know, three quick phrases, but, you yeah. know, hey. sometimes we struggle, sometimes we don't. Better you starting our podcast than me. <laughs> you know what? I think it would be good one day for you to do it exactly the way I do. Oh. Uh, I think the people would be very interested in seeing that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they would be interested in a sort of cringy sort of, oh, we feel bad for Ben sort of way. <laughs> Whatever creates the content, in my opinion. Uh, today, we're joined by two fantastic guests on Under the Fig Tree, two seminarians, two concluding seminarians, uh, Dion Hole and Nick Palmer. How are you doing today? Spectacular as usual. Doing well. And... Just quick question, because uh, you're both concluding students, both MDiv students. Uh, Dion, I'm, I'm assuming at some point you'll get some context for this, but you've been here. You haven't gone on your vicarage yet. No. Uh, and But you will, at the end of this year, then convert over into, into your regular call once you finish all together. Right. And Nick, you're returning. Well, you have returned from a right. vicarage. Uh, and where were you a vicar? I was a vicar at um, Salem Lutheran Church and School in Afton, Missouri. So it was a local vicarage. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And and so um, I, the thing that we're really excited about for the two of you, for those that are mm-hmm. watching online, as they can, as people can see, you're straight out of college. You're you know like <laughs> right. twenty, yep. twenty two yeah. years old. And uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> I. Um, People recognize that uh, I've been starting to put the, the gray hair on. Right. Um, but both of you are seasoned. You're experienced. You are second career students. So That's we've great. had some uh, we've had some listeners, some some viewers that um, specifically said, "Hey, I love an episode of Under the Fig Tree specifically for second career students." And and both of you, it, it looks like. I mean. We don't know yet. We're still praying about it, but it looks like you're both going to graduate and and get called. So, so um, so we, far we thought we'd bring Lord on willing. guys that uh, you know we we winnowed it down from this huge pool, and here here you are, the two guys. No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> we were, were the two that were available. <laughs> we're we're really glad to to have you, um, and so yeah, interested in. Hearing about vicarage, interested in hearing a little bit about what a deferred vicarage is, um, and and just interested in kind of how you how you got here in the first place. That's usually where we where we start. Usually where we pick up. Yeah. Just uh, what's your what's your story? What led you to consider then begin to pursue uh, ministry as a career? Go, Nate. Oh, I get okay. Yeah. So. Um, my path started, I guess, when uh, in confirmation, my pastor uh, said something to me after we were confirmed after the service in the receiving line. Actually, hmm. he uh, brought it. He said, "Hey, Nick, you know, the church needs pastors. Maybe, maybe you should consider. I think you would be good at it." And, and is this eighth grade? This is eighth grade. Okay. So this is uh, yeah. So Traditional eighth, confirmation. Yeah, eighth grade. Yeah, mid nineties and. Um, that was the first time anybody had ever said anything like that to me. And in fact, I had never even considered it before. So I was really caught 
off guard and um i thought he was crazy uh, <laughs> it's like no way i'm not you know, there's no church workers at all in my family. I don't have church worker background at all in my family. So it was never something that was on my radar and nothing that anybody ever talked about. And, um, so I, I kind of shrugged him off really as like, I'm not going to do that. And then fast forward, you know, I go through high school, college and I get married and I'm, I actually, um, lived in the same the same church that I grew up in is where my wife and I moved back to. It, the pastor was no longer there, but same church. And I'm active in the church again. And, you know, I'm getting asked to do more and more in the church. You know, you start with the board of trustees, help keep the church up. And then next thing you know, I'm on the board of elders and teaching Sunday school, teaching youth group. Then I'm chairman of the board of elders and, and uh, start wondering, you know, in my head, then I'm starting to think maybe, Maybe I did miss my call. Maybe Pastor Wallenberg was right all those years ago, and this is what I should be doing. And and what kind of work were you doing at that time? Uh, so my family has a food service distribution company, so I wasn't involved professionally with the church at all. I was in the in the uh, food service. We'd sell to restaurants and bar and grills, things like that, all their yeah. food supplies. Sure. And so my experience with the church was just all um, volunteer-based, doing, you know, being an elder, being a trustee, just being a, a Sunday school teacher. My wife and I team taught um, the junior high, high school, Sunday school, and then we did um, youth group. And then we had kids too, so we were bringing up our kids into the church. And that was really what got me really thinking about it, because I knew when we had kids that I wanted my kids to grow up in the church. Mm -hmm. And the more I got involved, the more I did the Bible study. You know, we did adult Bible studies with our pastor and you know, and then I'm helping, you know, if he stepped, some, something came up, he couldn't be there. He would ask me to, sure. to teach, you know, in his spot. And it's like people are, and then people in my Bible class say, hey, Nick, you're pretty good at this. Maybe you missed your calling. It's like, oh, maybe it's, maybe they're right. And maybe I should be doing this. So I kind of started thinking about that, talked with my wife and, and um, she, uh, she kind of helped guide me. It gave me, she's like, well, if you want to really, this is something you want to do, or you think you should do let's really dive in, you know, cause I wasn't teaching a whole lot. It was just a little bit. She's like, let's dive all in and let's, let's really see if you still want to do this, you know, after being like teaching Sunday school and like doing you taught, you, one, you taught one Bible yeah, study. Right, you're like, yeah. that's amazing. I want to yeah, do this for yeah, life. You teach. Yeah. You, you, you step in and teach adults once in a while. Let's just make sure. Our and, wives and, are so yeah, wise. It was why it was very, it was good advice. And, um, we did that and you know, I still didn't, wasn't getting turned away. Hmm. And uh, ultimately, what really did it, um, what really pushed me over the edge is I was a lay delegate to our district convention, mm. and our district president is getting up there, and he starts lecturing the pastors there that to start, if you see men in your congregation say something, let them know we need pastors in the church. You need to be out there saying things. And then, yeah. and then the synod president, so President Harrison was there too. He gets on the stage and says the same thing. And so I'm starting to feel really like... <laughs> Oh man, maybe I'm starting to feel convicted. You know, my conscience is like, oh, maybe I, so I, so I talked to my pastor, you know, strangely enough, I never talked to my pastor before this about it. And I did. And he, he, he agreed. He, he confirmed what I was, what I was thinking and what other people were saying too, that I should pursue the ministry. And so, so I did. So then we started looking into it and, um, and, uh, yeah, here we are. I, I think I know the answer to this just based upon what you've already said, but what did you study in undergrad? A business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah business administration. Yeah. I just assumed. Yeah. Yep. Which again, mm -hmm. it's one of those things I, I, I get this as director of recruitment all the time. Mm -hmm. 
I didn't go to Concordia. Right. I didn't nope, study pre slam. They've heard mm-hmm. like some a lot of people have heard about those routes, like that there's this college route, mm-hmm. and they're thinking what they can do to prepare. And I always get to chime in and say, well, hey, I I, I didn't do the pre seminary route, no. and uh, you know here I am. It, it requires a little bit of catch up in the languages, but that that's a, mm-hmm. about it. Everybody else, even if you have some biblical understanding from an academic yep. perspective, we all start in the same classes after the languages. So it's mm-hmm. I'm assuming that was all kind of. Again, aside from being able to dive deep into the languages, yeah. uh, that you just yeah, I wouldn't. If away. anybody, uh, if yeah, just because you haven't gone to a Concordia or you haven't studied the biblical languages, that absolutely is not a a reason to not pursue the ministry at all. I mean, we have summer Greek here. I mean, there's lots of guys that go. I mean, it happens every year. You have a full class. There's that's. I mean, everybody. Lots of people take summer Greek, and even more take summer Hebrew. So yeah, yeah. and. Um, Nick, you brought um, you brought your your family along. So That's your right. your kids were um, were all going to school and living in your home. Right. So um, I think for uh, Dion has a little bit of a different story, and we'll we'll transition to that in a minute. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm interested in what was it like for your kids to mm-hmm. move to St. Louis, uh, live on campus, get uh, acclimated to new schools. And how was it for your wife uh, coming in, finding a job, uh, finding her place in community? Because those are questions that yep. we hear a lot from yep. prospective second career students. Yeah, my, my family was very supportive. And um, I think that's key for anybody that's coming to seminary, that mm-hmm. if your family is, if your wife or your kids, especially your wife, is not on board, <laughs> Don't come. Tough. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It's it. Um, so, but uh, you know, or not yet. Not Wait. yet. Yes, yeah. not yet. Yeah, Keep right. Working on Keep it. Keep working have on her, it. Because, have her watch this yeah. episode. Yeah. It's gonna. Yep. You know, because they they, they need to be on board. Yeah. And um and I and I th- I thank God that my wife was on board and she was very supportive of that. And it was a curveball. I mean, it was not something when we talk about this all the time when we got married. This was not <laughs> on the radar at all. We were gonna grow up in our hometown with both of our families and you know, live happily ever after or whatever. But uh, yeah, this is not what we had planned, but we both knew that this is kind of where, this is where God was leading us. And uh, we weren't the same people we were when we got married and thank God for that. And uh, so, yeah, so we talked, we sat down and so after my wife and I are like, okay, this is, we're going to do this, you know, after we did the visits and we talked, we brought our kids with us on, okay. on our visits. On visits yeah. um, we talked to them about it, let them know what we were what we were doing, what we were thinking about doing, and they were they were supportive. Um, when we came here, my daughter was going into uh, sixth grade. So when we moved here to St. Louis, my wife, my, my daughter was a sixth grader and my son was a fourth grader. So I have two kids and my wife's a nurse. Um, and they were on board and I was really, um, I'm gonna, I'll say I was pretty selfish. I didn't think too much about, I figured that they wouldn't be a big deal. And we came here, and I remember touring the school uh, with my daughter and looking around. I'm like, oh, this is a big transition for, for my daughter. Mm. And uh, I didn't really realize what sacrifice my kids were, were making until I was actually, because we went to the lunchroom, and I sat, and there's this huge lunchroom. And I sat here and thought, my daughter's not going to know one person in this room. Mm. Wow. And uh, they didn't complain, or they were on board. So I really uh, am thankful for that. And um, I'm glad. And it turned out that they they love the seminary campus. 
Um, there's lots of kids on campus. There's professors' kids. You know, yeah, at, I, Vince at my, was I mean, just yeah, in my, yeah, in I mean, my house yeah, over the weekend. That's right. Yeah, so <laughs> they're 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 all playing together. They have a great time. There's, I mean, we have a whole. We call it the woods. Yeah. Um, it's all married housing with families that have kids and um, minor kind of towards the the older the older end of the spectrum, which is fine. Um, they get they love babysitting and. Um, we have a uh, seminary youth group. And we so have a my seminary kids go youth group, yeah. So if you have middle school or high school kids, you already have a built-in youth group. They actually went to the National Youth Gathering last year. It was a fantastic group, and they had a lot of fun. They get together every week and just really bond, really bonds those, uh, those friendships together. Um, and there's lots of schools to pick from. We have the, the public school that's here in the neighborhood that people can walk through, and then there's great... Uh, Lutheran schools. A lot of them offer scholarships to seminary families, so it's yeah. it's an ama- it's an awesome opportunity to be able to um, uh, to have whichever whichever route is best for your family to take. Or there's lots of families at homeschool too. So we have all three all three um, different th- styles going on here on the seminary. So you'll have a, a you know you'll have similar family uh, dynamics no matter which way you go, which is nice that you have that. Yeah. And your your wife was pretty involved, has been involved in Seminary Wives Association, yeah. and yeah, that's um, kind of something my wife and I have kind of always been. We've always just been really all in, involved in whatever community we lived in. Even yeah. when we were back home, that's what we do, and that's what we like doing. So yeah, my wife is involved in the Seminary Wives Association. She does all the the uh, uh, she's helped with every year since we've been here with the first year wives with the after the boxes, you know settling in and unpacking she always helps with that does their bible studies and uh, she's a nurse she ended up she got a job as a nurse the day after she moved here it was really hectic but we're so glad that she got that job it was like she barely had to got a chance to unpack like can you start now (laughs) so but uh, it worked out really well so she's a school nurse and we're all on academic calendar right now so we have thanksgiving break christmas break all that stuff off and so it worked out really well Fantastic. So let's uh, let's transition to Dion, and maybe we'll we'll come back to to Nick. But um, Dion, let's let's hear your story because you have uh, you bring a different perspective, um, and mm-hmm. because of your work, because of stage of life that you are coming in, um, and uh, so yeah, tell us a little bit about your journey to uh, become a student at Concordia Seminary. Well, when uh, it started with CFW, Walther and I were walking through <laughs> the campus one day. No, <laughs> He's not that old. That's not how I remember it. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I've been in ministry for about 30 years, and then in between ministry opportunities, I've worked in sales. So I've got, you know, and all the way up to management. Um, in ministry, I, I'm a director of Christian education, graduated from Concordia College in River Forest, Illinois. Go Cougars. Kerf. Go Cougars. Um, <laughs> oh, not even Kerf back in the day. No. It was not even Concordia uh, it, University. It was Concordia College. It had oh. translated from teacher's college <laughs> okay. to college. You're trying to go back too far now. <laughs> yeah. But the, yeah it's been, that's, that, that's Walther's day. So. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So, um, and, uh, so for about 30 years, people have been asking me when I'm going to seminary. And hmm. it's, usually my employers, so I'm not sure what to think of that. But um, n- n- So when I went to my wife, I, um, my last position was um, mission developer for the Oklahoma district, yeah. one of those cushy district jobs. Right. 
Um, and I said, I think it's time to go to seminary. She said, it's about time. Hmm. And uh, my kids all said the same thing. My kids hmm. are the age of most seminarians from 30 to <laughs> 22. So um, it's kind of fun just to, to kind of piggyback on what uh, Nick was saying is that for our family, all of our ministry changes and our lifestyle changes as we've gone through different positions and we've moved, we've always looked at it as the next adventure. Mm-hmm. And that has helped mm-hmm. uh, because our kids are adventurous. Um, they're always ready for the next thing. Two of them are in the military. And mm-hmm. so um, they, they grew up on a camp, a Lutheran camp in Florida and then one in Illinois. So they know hard work. They also know how to camp out and survive. So the military basic training thing was like, yeah, whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, for them. Oh, sure. we're going to go sleep in tents. I asked them how it was. They're like, yeah, we were on worst camping trips with you. <laughs> uh, so it's no big deal. Um, so it's always the next adventure. And the role that I kind of play with families here is, is kind of as a grandparent, a surrogate grandparent, because... On Friday nights, usually we'll have a campfire in our back, uh, on our back porch, and we have s'mores. And, you know, as soon as the first puff of smoke goes up, I've got about 12 kids, you know, <laughs> rushing around trying to get stuff for s'mores. And then the adults hang out after the kids are all sugared up and run off into the woods. Um, then the adults just hang out and, uh, and have fellowship. And it doesn't cost anybody anything. We cover that so that... Even if you're a young guy who's got doesn't have two nickels to rub together, and you still want to hang out with people and en- enjoy some fellowship, it's a good opportunity for them to do that. So, that's the kind of thing that we can do to to add to the community. That's awesome. So, so what was it like? Um, I think we do get a lot of uh, people who have a background director of Christian education. Mm-hmm. They've they have uh, been serving in the church and they've had a a great season, especially in youth ministry, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, high impact, high energy. Um, but sometimes uh, we hear from DCEs like, "Man, uh, I don't know if I can do this forever." Some some guys can, um, sure. But but uh, what was it like transitioning from DCE? And uh, I I'm always sensitive to. I, there, there are some out in the church that would make DCEs feel like they need to get the full credential. And, and I, I, I just kind of despise that thinking because director yeah. of Christian education have a vocation that's incredibly important um, and it's unique to the, the pastoral office. But how did you think through that? Okay, you, you kind of told us a lot of people sure. have been pointing you in that direction, but what was it that kind of finally was like, okay. Well, things were, things were winding down in the position that I was in and, and I could see the writing on the wall and, you know, instead of having some kind of uh, transition foisted upon me, I just decided, you know, this is the best time Mm. to, to do this. Actually, God decided this was the best time to do it. And I just listened this time. So we, (laughs) uh, so we uh, moved on and and did that thing. Um, But um, as a, Somebody from from the director of Christian education point of view, I think that is important to value the role that you've got now, yeah. and you know that it's flexible. So you know you might start out doing youth ministry, but then they say, well, you know what, we want to transition to more family ministry, and so more cradle to grave kind of thing. Can you help us do that? And so you you know you make that adjustment, and then you know we want to do something with seniors, and and you move into that, or mm. you know. Um, 
we want to start a preschool. There's so many things that directors of Christian education can do. I mean, yeah. I was a camp director and a camp program director, and I still support that type of ministry mm-hmm. uh, heavily. And so um, it, you can move into so many different directions that it's just a matter of, hey, if I'm going to do something different in ministry now, I needed to get more training. Yeah. You know, so I'm just shifting gears for the next 30 years is really sure. what it is, because yeah. pastors never really retire. Right. So I'll always have something to do in <laughs> yeah. ministry, because yeah. it'd be kind of... I mean, even when I was working in sales, I always tried to stay involved in, in stuff in ministry as long as my schedule you know, yeah. could mm-hmm. be arranged. But um, So that's it's just kind of in the blood, so to speak, and, and this is just the next the next phase of ministry. So if you're serious about ministry... You know, instead of saying, well, you know, that was a good run, and, and now I'm, I'm just too old, I feel myself aging out of youth ministry, you know, consider going a different direction. Yeah, transitioning, Transi- you know, just, just pivot. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting way of looking. DCEs are just incredibly, um, they're the, the Swiss Army knives. They're, they're very sure. adaptable, and you can throw lots of different things at them, and they just say, well, yeah, I'm... I'll pick that up and I'll sure. I'll run with that too. And the and deaconess also. Yeah. You know, because there's so many female DCEs out there that may be feeling the same thing. Mm. And you know, deaconess is one of those. I think um, it doesn't come to mind right away, but it's a very important role in a congregation. And uh, so I I want to encourage those too because uh, you know we don't want to. Uh, leave ourselves short in that area because, you know, we talk about pastor shortages, but if we look around and go, man, how many congregations are struggling to do human care or education for families, you know, those kinds of things that a deaconess can do, um, you know, what congregation couldn't use one? Yeah, oh, I, absolutely. We just had deaconess uh, Rebecca uh, Lucas. Lucas. Yeah, her last name was about to escape me. Thank you, because uh, my wife is a deaconess as well, and it's one of those things where, again, just to highlight the need for deaconesses, because you open the door for it. Yeah, it's just one of those things when I w- like for my entire ministry life, uh, there's only so far in the beginning of a relationship that I can get with women, mainly just because I'm a man for all mm-hmm. of the regular normal reasons, and having a wife who's a deaconess or having a deaconess in your congregation breaks down those barriers and you're able to care for the women in your congregation so much more if there is a professionally trained church worker on staff who is hired at least in part for that specific reason if you look Mm -hmm. across the dna of our congregations i'm willing to gamble that most of the people who sit in the pews of your church are in fact women and so all it's one of these things we're talking about all these different church workers and i also really appreciated you saying that you were a dce you were happy but as you were beginning to transition into the next adventure in ministry you you looked at your toolbox and you said maybe i could use a couple more tools because that's another reason that's another way i describe it for people when they talk about coming to seminary what what's the point and what do we do here is we give you a toolbox with very specific tools uh, that you need uh, in order to become a pastor, you can pick up a couple extra tools while you're here if you're ambitious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we also teach you how to recognize when you don't have the tools and where to go and look for the next tools that you need. So that idea of continuing education, we do it here. Uh, and it sounds like you're advocating for anybody in church yeah. work or anybody in any vocation. Sure. Not to just 
I don't want to say settle where they are, but always look for different ways to grow. And it seems like that was mm-hmm. a part of your path to becoming a student here. Yeah, and, and one of the advantages of being in St. Louis is you get to try on a lot of different hats. You can. If you're to try and, you know, you think you might want to do something in urban ministry, we're right there. You think rural is, you know, five minutes That's across far. the river, yep. you have rural uh, churches that need people to, to serve them. Um, there really isn't anything that you couldn't find here. Yeah. Uh, you know, a specific um, language group that you want to work with, it's in St. Louis. Right. You know, right. so you have the opportunity to to get a lot of uh, different experiences. And then there's the faculty who's just broad in their experiences that you can tap into and say, hey, you know, I was thinking about foreign missions. Tell me more about your experience. Sure. And uh, everybody's always willing to sit down and, and have a conversation. Um, about what the possibilities are. Because when you think of pastor, I think some people think that everybody is going to be in the pulpit of a congregation in rural Illinois (laughs) for the rest of their life, when that's not necessarily true. You know, that's that's a perception that's not necessarily the way that it is. Um, There's a lot of different opportunities once you're a pastor. And you can always get that in class. That's a surefire way of kind of distracting the professor and getting him to, to get away from his syllabus is to ask him about his personal path. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, you know, yeah. 20 minutes later or an hour later, he's right. told you his life story. Yeah. And Especially they're going to talk about asking you to translate something. <laughs> yeah, <or whatever>. right, <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. <laughs> can you tell me about your pathway to ministry? What would um, that be in French, French Africa? <laughs> you know, I know you, you want to hear it in Greek, but you all already know it. So. <laughs> what well, what was it like, Dion? As uh, you you mentioned, you talked a little bit about your family um, that your kids were grown. So you came as an empty nester, basically, yeah. to seminary. How how has that been for for your wife uh, making that tra- transition? And then I know you you've had kids home from time to time. Uh, they come mm-hmm. to visit. Um, it's not a home because it's not the home that they grew up in. But it sounds like. They, they moved a couple of times in their, their life growing up, so maybe that wasn't a thing at all. But what was that like coming as a, an empty nester and then having your kids here? Uh, what was that experience like? Well, I'm always trying to recruit them. <laughs> That's <laughs> good. He's still in sales. You definitely appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> hey, military chaplain is a pretty good gig if you can get it. And yeah, they yeah. are... I, I feel like most them. people who are interested, not, I don't want to say most, but many who are interested who qualify, there's yeah. a desperate need for good military chaplains yeah. at the moment. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, coming as empty nesters, it was, it was cool. You know, we didn't have uh, the extra considerations of kids going into school and schedules and all those kinds of wacky things that you have to deal with. Um, so, you know, good on you, Nick. Um, we've done it before, but uh, when our kids come and visit, they they love the campus and and they love the community, uh, and they just feel like they're a part of it. And awesome. you know, part of it is that they're they're the same age as most of these guys. Sure. And so you know, at the campfire, I can walk away and they'll have a conversation with somebody, and it's yeah, yeah they're they're excited for us really to to be doing the next thing. So um, yeah, it's it's a little bit tight, but we got the extra bedroom this year, so okay, yeah. <laughs> So you live in the woods as well. Yeah, we live in the woods as well, and they've got these flexible uh, uh, rooms in between apartments. Right. And last year, last couple of years, uh, the other family was a rather large family that lived next to us, and so they had, uh, you know, Tebebu and his family went back to Ethiopia, and yeah. that, 
the other folks didn't want all the rooms, so we rented one of them. Sure. And so now I've got an office. Deb's got her own office. She works from home. Okay. She's she works remotely for the Oklahoma Center for Nonprofits. Okay. Cool. And uh, so she has her own office that has a bed in it, so the kids can come and stay. And because um, she works pretty much during the day, they can have access at night. I come home. And the first thing I'm doing is studying. So I'm in my office all night. Mm-hmm. So that's not really helpful for, for company. But if we had to, we could throw a twin in there. I, I know uh, several second career folks that have come and the wife had a job back home. And there was some kind of creative way of allowing uh, the wife to keep on doing what she was doing, but, mm-hmm. but to work from to work remotely and that mm-hmm. that worked all right for for you guys yeah she's in oklahoma right now i left her there after thanksgiving unintentionally right intentionally <laughs> uh, she's got a big fundraiser she's doing in oklahoma city that's going to raise about a quarter of a million dollars wow. sure um, and then she's got another one that comes up in spring that's about a half million mm, so she's in awesome. development so yeah. um that's she do, she coordinates all that stuff from here but it is St. Louis. So if your spouse needs to come and find a job, mm-hmm. at least you're in an, in an area where there's right. a lot of uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. So hopefully they can find something yep. comparable to what they had. And a decent airport that's pretty easy to fly in and out of. I mean, sure. you can't fly direct from St. Louis to everywhere in the country, but but you can. It, it's it's yeah, certainly airport, uh, yeah. it's certainly doable mm-hmm. and with with it being a southwest hub you get a lot of uh, yeah. you got a lot of mileage out of mm-hmm. out of uh, southwest being in st louis a, 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 a different episode you guys have both begun to talk about transitions we need to have some people who do some of that transitional work with mm-hmm. our prospective students um but we have a we even have a, a list a published list of potential work opportunities for spouses of students mm-hmm. and things like that uh, but I want to transition a little bit from um, the tra- transition from the transitions. Well, anyway, it's not a major one because you, you brought something up and it's study. Uh, and you actually do a thing that I usually recommend not to do is you get out of class and you go home and study. I usually tell guys not to do that because your brain is all fried up. And <laughs> Well, no, wait a second. At my age, I don't go home and just go straight to study. There we go. <laughs> I have Take a the, nap. I have the 30-minute yeah. yeah. power yeah. now yeah. every okay. afternoon. And then... And then, um, because Deb's uh, still working, right? You know, so it's not a good time for us to hang out. So I'll then go back and and start doing some reading and things like that. And sh- then she'll make dinner. Then we have dinner, and then usually I go back to work. But then about ten o'clock, I'll knock off at least for an hour, and hang out with her um, because her love language is quality time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we've got to spend time together. There you go. It, you, you, you're doing that 30-minute buffer, so it just makes me happy. Too many times, because I've tutored guys, I'll be like, well, I go home, and they skip the meal, they skip the power nap, and they go right into studying. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what, what goes in? Mm-hmm. Probably nothing. And, you, and you're probably pushing everything you learned for the last three hours out. But since you guys were both car- second career, I'm imagining that there was at least a little bit of gap between undergraduate or other education before you came to study here. Yes. Which is another question I get often of yep. second career guys. I haven't been in school for a decade or two. Yeah. Uh, what's the academic load? And I'm, I, so I always answer it a particular way because, well, I'm trying to get them to feel like they can come sure. and do it. But I'm interested to hear from your perspectives. What was it like uh, 
again, gap between mm-hmm. undergraduate work or even more graduate work and beginning this because uh, becoming a pastor in the LCMS is just academically rigorous. There's no other way to put it. We, and it, there's no program that we have where it's not. Mm-hmm. We demand a lot from our pastors, especially in the educational process. So what has that been like? And you guys have now have a few years, both of you, under your feet of learning here. Right. Yeah, so I was 15 years removed from between undergrad and when I came here to seminary. And it was an adjustment, um, but uh, it's not unattainable by by any means, I, I don't think. Um, the biggest part for me was getting, getting uh, uh, being able to read faster. Sure. Um, getting, getting <laughs> I mean, I would read. I would read just for, for, for pleasure a little bit, you know, like, you know, the fiction novels and things like that. So you can just breeze right through those. But then when you're starting to read some more academic, <laughs> academic books, it does, it goes a lot slower. So that was the biggest and still, I mean, I'm still getting working on that, but being able to uh, read at a faster pace was, was the biggest challenge mm. for me. And um, writing was, you know, it, it took a little bit, but not the, the writing part came pretty, pretty quick. Um, but, uh, mostly the reading for me was probably the hardest and that, and then just trying to figure out what my new schedule is going to be like now, you know, with, with having a balancing cause there is, um, time management is, is, is critical, especially yeah. for a second career, uh, person having a wife, a spouse, if you're a deaconess and children, um, cause that that's important to have that time too. Like, like you were saying, Dion, to have that quality time with your family. And so being able to balance that is, is very important. And, um, you just kind of, you have to figure it out. It's uh, it's not hard. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that it is hard to figure it out, but we'll, we'll stick not, with it. wasn't hard. And we'll, we'll just clip that not, and, yeah. and cut out the other part. I mean, yeah. it's not, it's not easy, but it's not impossible. Right. It's, it's, it's not, it's not something that's, and, and professors, that's the other thing too, is that I was very <laughs> pleasantly surprised about is the professors are, are lenient. I mean, they're able, if you need some extra time, you, you can get it. Yeah. And, and, uh, so that I was very, I was very surprised at that when I, when I came yeah. like, Oh wow, they're. They're, they're, the professors are fantastic, and they, they want to work with you. They want to help you. So if you are struggling, you can ask for help. There's help available. The library has all kinds of um, help, too. Like, I mean, Dr. You, Pastor Glenn, you were talking about tutoring and things like that. I mean, that's all available if you need that as well. So it's it's not something that, that you can't overcome. Sometimes that's people right. think of grad school, and they think, oh, yeah. seminary is like this cutthroat place where we're going to, like, <laughs> weed people out. And no, I, it's I mean, not. I'm here because I want more pastors for our church. So mm-hmm. the last thing that I want exactly. is to try to weed guys out right. or try to play some game that mm-hmm. I'm going to like catch a guy right. so that I can say, aha, yeah. you really don't belong yep. here. Yep. Uh, maybe, yep. maybe Dion felt a different, had a different experience <laughs> being in my class because we're, we're going to have to talk about that. I have a couple of questions in, yeah. in a minute. But, um, Dean, what, Dion, what's it like? What's it been like for you? Yeah, I'm proud of the fact that we are so um, it, that it is academically difficult. Sure. Um, if it was easy, everybody'd do it, and every denomination would. You know, I, I hear people talking from different denominations, and we, you know, they tell me they they also went to seminary, and I say, oh, okay, so let's let's talk about this. What was your experience like? And a lot of times they don't even have the languages, sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so they don't know what kind of, uh, um, 
editorial choices were made, trans, translational choices were made. And so, you know, they're taking a translation and they're standing on that and going, this is the word. And you yeah. go, ah, mm-hmm. you know, there is another level to this. Not that it's not right sure. to go with just in English. And I think that's, that's valid. Uh, but just to, to have that knowledge and that information. So when I'm reading through a commentary and it's got the Greek and the Hebrew, I know what they're talking yep. about. Yeah. I'm not ignorant of that stuff. And nobody's going to pull the wool over my eyes and tell me that, you know, this means that. No, yeah. I already know that. Um, so, you know, to be able to read the technical uh, information and and not be completely snowed by it, you know, is is really... That's extremely helpful, especially in preparing sermons and, and Bible studies. And um, I, I think a lot of clientele, you know, whatever you want to call uh, people at the churches, you know, your, your uh, church members, you can't assume that you're the smartest one in the room all the time. You know, there's a lot of people that have their, their uh, masters, their doctorates. Mm-hmm. They're very highly intelligent <laughs> people, and you can't just go in there and say, well, you know, when I was in Sunday school back in fifth grade, we went through David and Goliath. And so this is a story of David and Goliath and show them the arch book. You're going to have to come up with something better than that because there's going to be questions. I, yep. I did my I, – I think I've mentioned it on – the podcast before I did my vicarage in Huntsville, Alabama, where NASA's headquarters are, mm-hmm. where Boeing has a big headquarters, and it's one of the. It's just a, a massive tech industry place, and oh. literally had a couple of rocket scientists, yeah, in the parish <laughs> that I served, and uh, they appreciated. I did my undergraduate in chemistry, so they appreciated yeah. <laughs> a vicar who could talk about science from a scientific perspective. And it, it gained me a lot of clout. So exactly. The, mm-hmm. no, it, you don't have to be in a place like Huntsville. There are going to be very smart people in no matter where you are in the country or in the world. Mm-hmm. And when you're the pastor and you're, you have some authority, they don't want an archbook answer. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, uh, well, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or and, just and make something is, up off yeah, the fly. Yeah. And if your yeah. answer is, I don't know, yeah. you, it has to be quickly followed, but let me look into that yeah. and I'll get back to yeah. you. That's and because we take it so seriously, you have the tool set to go and right. look. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, one of the things that surprised me is how much technology I needed to, mm. to utilize sure. at seminary. So just be ready for that. You know, I did my undergrad. I finished it in 1988. So 1988. Just right, I was, right, I was, right, right. Yeah. I was alive then. Yeah, yeah. Same, same. I was alive. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's but, nice. But um, it's so, nice to know. At at any point during your undergrad, were you using computers or uh, word processor? So, because because yes, there was a there was a and typewriter. Uh, yeah. Well, I had a little bit better technology than that because I invested in it, but. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a mainframe down in the basement of Mary Martha that took mm. up an entire oh, half right. of the building. Right. Yeah. And that's probably about as much power as I've got in my phone. Easy. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah. Um, River Forest was like cutting edge sure. back in the day. Yeah, you could with, get computers. computers. If I remember tech. correctly, we were one of the first ones to have computer science uh, mm, yeah. majors. Mm, yeah. And um, But I took my first class in... Um, technology and education and i dropped it <laughs> i dropped it because i was like what's this login thing 
What? <laughs> I got to remember a password. <laughs> yeah. What's what's this uh, intraweb thing? <laughs> and it was in. It wasn't even internet. It was yeah, intra. Right, so right. it was inside this inside the school. Oh, right. And so, I couldn't figure that out. And I was like, this is just going to be a struggle the whole way. So I dropped that. But I've learned over time. Just keep adapting to yeah. the new technology yeah. Yeah. and and uh, and I I think it's really helpful. Um, the way things are set up, it's just that I wasn't ready for that. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, w- I want to ask too about, I, w- I wanted to ask about this kind of line of, of uh, thought of what's study like. And I'm interested in your experience with your classmates mm. um, and, and also kind of in the classroom learning from a professor. So um, here's the question that I mentioned earlier. So Dion was in uh, one of my classes recently. Um, and there's no uh, easy way to ask this. It's an awkward question, but uh, I know you well enough and I respect you well enough to be able to ask it and to have a little fun with it. So what was it like to learn from a professor that was younger than you? Um, it's not hard for me because uh, I always look at people, no matter who they are, and know that they are something about them that they, they know more than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know it could be just anybody in the street, you know, they know more about their job than I know about their job. They may know more about technology than I know. They may know more about world events. There's something that they, that they know more than I do. And the professors here have their doctorate and they have experience. So I just, you know, well, I just we had that. a lot of fun yeah. because it, it was all the rest of the guys were the young bucks straight through for the most part. Yeah. And, uh, you there were several times where you gave some helpful feedback to some of these younger guys um in a really uh in a in a way that they could only receive from you as a brother as a as a classmate that they couldn't necessarily have received in the same way from me and it was a it was a lot of fun to see you encouraging your classmates but also kind of uh as a person that has a lot more life experience mm-hmm. um and that I think is fun. A fun part of seminary is yep. where you get a class, especially in practical, where you're you're trying to put all this stuff into practice. And the mm-hmm. the twenty twenty something guys, they're still trying to figure out yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys have kind of uh, been there, done that, and know a thing mm-hmm. or two about applying the gospel and living the Christian life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah it was yeah. a lot of fun. And I tried to hold back too because you know I don't want to take over anybody's class or. Uh, you know, you didn't. I would, I, I would. I would. Uh, you just shut me off. That's good. Yeah, That's good. you were always concerned about that, and I, that was just not yeah. a thing for me. So, mm-hmm. if you want to hear, you know, campfire stories about ministry, like, come on down. <laughs> <laughs> but I try not to do that too much in yeah. class. Well, yeah. Let me ask this question real quick. Um, what about your previous professions? Do you think is going to lend itself directly towards being the a pastor, whether it's in a congregation or a camp or whatever, wherever you end up being placed. What about, well, camp ministry being mm-hmm. a DCE, there are some clear things, but it's, it is slightly different, I mm-hmm. imagine, uh, from mm-hmm. friends and classmates that were DCEs before they got here, but in, especially in business administration. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think about that past life is going to lend itself towards your first call and your ministry beyond? Uh, well, for me, yeah, in the business world, I had, you know, I had employees, so I was used to dealing with coworkers and and dealing with employees. And I did sales too, so I had to, I I would go, you know, to a restaurant and have to you know, um, 
established clients and then also going out and just cold call knocking on doors too and, mm -hmm. and meeting new people and and helping them you know guiding them along and what they would need for their for their for their business and so i think it's there's some some uh crossover there with um meeting new people and speaking to people that and especially in a lot of the maybe people that i wouldn't normally associate with sure but here i am and i think that's going to be part of my ministry as well as we're going to be interacting with 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 people that uh, need the gospel and that need need care and uh, having that experience of of um um in the business world doing that i think is gonna what w will help it's yeah. good for me to be drawn on you know some of the experiences that i had like my uh internship was in new york city and my first call was you know flushing queens and uh that was tough sure that was really tough and uh when the pastor would go on vacation i had to do all the visits and i mm. Mm -hmm. I, uh, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that I had to do. Like, you know, one of those visits was to the uh, state mental institution in New York City. So, yeah, there's probably not a lot that I'm going to see that I haven't seen worse. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not, I'm not jamming on the state in New York. It's just the way that it's it was. a lot of people there. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it was an experience, mm -hmm. but, uh, um, yeah, that, I th I think that's gonna be it. you know working with a lot of people like like Nick. You know, I had a lot of employees. You know, summer mm -hmm. camp staff as yeah. well as full time staff, and and uh, you know learning to work with them and making some major mistakes and having to go back and work through all that stuff. And you know, I've been processing a lot of that while I'm going through seminary. And going, what mm -hmm. will I do differently? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think just life experience in general too. Yeah. I've been married for you know. Uh, 18 years I've had, I have children I've rookie interacted with, <laughs> you know, just having those interactions with other families as well. Um, and, and being there for, for each other, you know, when you have your, your circle of, of friend, you know, being there for each other in times of crisis and in times of joy and, and celebrating that with them and, and being and, and supporting them when they need, I think having that experience as well as outside of work, but just life experience in general. I think is, is is huge, and I think the even like the younger guys, like you, how you were talking in class. When you, I, I'm sure I'm, I wasn't in that class, but I'm sure when you were giving advice, they were soaking it up. I'm sure because oh, yeah. that's been my experience too. Is that the guys that are younger here, they don't look at us old guys like, "What are you doing here?" They're like, "What can I learn?" A lot of them are like, "What can I learn from you know?" Yeah, because they mm -hmm. I think they respect the the life experience that we bring, and I've never felt. Um, like an outsider or anything like that um, among among the younger generation that that's here it's it's a, it's it's a, it's a great community where we interact with each other and there's mm -hmm. stuff we can can learn that we learn from them too as far as you know what's going on with <laughs> the that generation now and what's important to them and what what mm -hmm. uh, makes them tick is it's helpful for for both of us i think yeah, yeah, we joked earlier and said that you were the, the two guys that made it of the second <laughs> career guys. But I did some, some stats back in the day that um, from time to time, uh, our second career and guys straight through college, mm -hmm. uh, those two populations kind of ebb and flow. But I think at the least, uh, every class is about a third mm -hmm. um, second career. Mm -hmm. uh, if you classify a second career guy as somebody that's at least had a couple of years yep. uh, out of college before they before they come so 
you're not like the yeah. people don't look yeah. at you like mm-hmm. um what's the the adam sandler movie where he like goes back to kindergarten and yeah, you yeah. Know, you're billy the, madison yeah, yeah, billy madison. Madison. yeah. It's, it's not that kind of yeah. thing where they're yeah. like whoa, <laughs> whoa why is this yeah. uh is it, are yeah. you teaching yeah. or you, yeah. Uh, yeah there's a lot of mm-hmm. it's it's a yeah. very um diverse age group yep. of in the classroom I, I, mm-hmm. i've never been the oldest yeah. oh sure there's right. there's always been at least one guy older than me yeah, I, I've had a student that was in his 80s um, mm-hmm. in my residential yep. class. Mm. It's always been close. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I never know how, like, I, mm-hmm. so I came here, I, I finally graduated from undergrad when I was 27, I think going on 28. Mm-hmm. And like I had worked and gone to college for most of my college career, even quit college and just worked. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I get here, I'm fresh from college so guys are like are you 22 i'm like nah mm-hmm. and, and then like are you like are you second career you know, I, I, it's no joke somebody recently said i look 25 and uh i'm always gonna take it i don't always believe yeah. Yeah. it thank you <laughs> i don't believe it but thank you uh but it is again it's one of those mm-hmm. things where like you know i worked at the dmv i i had mm-hmm. i had other jobs where i had employees I, I've, I've had to fire somebody, and if you've never had to fire anybody, it's awful. It is the worst feeling awful. in the world. It's I've, I, it's never I've never found mm-hmm. it to be a joy, mm-hmm. but uh, still being young, looking to so I, I I think about classmates who are older than me, and just think about the experience that they came with, life experience, all these things are interesting. And yeah, it's just such a joy, and then being able to be a little closer than some. Uh, to the guys that come out of college and st- being able to be that bridge. Nick, mm-hmm. I imagine that's kind of been a little bit of what yep. it might have felt like where you're not quite, I don't want to say grandparent age. Dan, right. I'm trying to be very sensitive. Yeah. It's okay. Try, but you I, seem I, very I'm not, comfortable. I'm not sensitive. W- w- in who don't you I. are. Yeah, mm-hmm. might, uh, but, but, but not yep. still straight from college. Yeah. And there's a, nothing wrong with either mm-hmm. end of those spectrums. And being in the middle is kind of one of these weird, mm-hmm. incredible places where – a lot of my classmates, when they became fathers or just married, they would call me and be like, all right, I just got married. What is it like? I'm yeah. about to become a dad. What was it like, Mike? And I always found myself like, why are you guys asking me these questions? <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, like I just became a dad. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. You get to share those experiences with guys that are just getting married or just having kids. We can, you know, if they're having questions or we can or we can or we see, you know, sometimes the child isn't quite behaving how the parents uh, want them to we can <laughs> sympathize and say yeah remember those well, days that yeah, happened kids yeah. are perfect they yeah, do everything right. you tell them to do so yeah. we can uh, we can sympathize with that and encourage them in, in those and then and like I said, my kids like babysitting, so that so that makes me instantly popular because sure. my kids babysit. So they're, they're like, well, we wouldn't be friends with them, so we have their kids babysit for us. <laughs> and it makes it easy because for the vicarage congregations, mm. we're not having a vicarage baby. Right. No, that's yeah, right. That's right. That's sure. right. That's not going to yeah. be part of People that, would be really surprised. Yeah, they would. They would. You can maybe come back with a well, new car. How about that? Yeah. Do that. Yeah, I might do that. In, um, on, a, on a maybe a more serious note, I think another thing that, that second career students are able to do, because so much of pastoral ministry is being with people during times of loss, mm-hmm. um, the the longer I live, the, the more people I lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I just lost my, my first cousin, uh, who was kind of like a brother to me growing mm-hmm. up. Um, I did his funeral, and there's, there's no other way to um, understand loss yep. 
as people are going through it, uh, there's no better way than you just have to, yeah. it's part of the human experience. Um, and, and, um, I'm sure that you, you both have experienced, uh, losing people. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that's a, another thing that you bring to the task. Um, cause you can, you can say, I've had to walk through this before. I know what this is like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, obviously at my age, there's, uh, it, it's getting to be more and more, yeah. you know, um, I'm in that generation that's raising their kids and their parents, you know, having to do caretaking of, of both sides. And so, um, yeah. And there's, there's losses and, uh, grief that you work through and, and yeah, that's, that's one of the life experiences. But then again, the joys, you know, having three kids and all the things that they've gone through and, and, uh, done, you know, their accomplishments, it's, pretty amazing you know um well and and just the ability to share that as a person of faith i've lost loved ones sure and i've, I've kept the faith yep this yeah. this wasn't the end of me uh mm-hmm. it was very hard um not something that i want to do again um but but it's something that you you realize well jesus has us even in this whether i live to to the lord or die to mm-hmm. the lord um, everything that we do mm-hmm. is, is to the Lord. Yeah, well, that was one of the key things over Vicarage is when is participating in funerals and being there for the families. I mean, that's a time when families need the gospel more than ever, and to be yeah. there for them to do that and to to be that that person that that's able to deliver the the gospel and the, bring that that peace and that assurance is that was one of the my my favorite parts of Vicarage that I was not expecting. But yeah. those are yeah. those are crucial moments when people need the gospel and all of our students are trained to yep. to share the gospel and and um i i don't want to be saying that mm-hmm. um only a second career person Sh- can share the yeah. gospel that's yeah. certainly not what yeah. i mean but well but I there mean, is a it certain happen to you personally yeah right. more, more likely that we've had it happen to us personally the older we get um so that that does change how it changes how how, 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 how we took yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you mentioned vicarage and so let's let's transition to to that um, vicarage mm-hmm. um, how does there's kind of two different routes that you guys took through the seminary and those two routes i think are interesting for yeah. second career uh, guys so the typical route nick you did is Two years of class, a year of vicarage, and then a fourth year. Yep. Dion's taking a different route. So mm-hmm. tell yep. us first about the kind of traditional route. Yeah, so the traditional route is like like you said, Dr. Haupt, where we do two years of classes and then we go out on vicarage. For me, as a second career guy and having older children and a wife that who works, we're fortunate. One of the other fortunate things about being here in St. Louis is that there are congregations locally that that want vicars and that need vicars. And so we're able to be placed locally so we don't have to move. And that was the case for me. So I never even had to move off campus. I've been living in the woods all four years that I've been here. And um, my wife was able to keep her job. My kids were able to stay in school. And then I was able to serve as a vicar uh, locally here in the St. Louis area in uh, Afton at Salem Lutheran Church and School. And so, yeah, so that's a, and then the vicarage is where we get practical hands-on experience, you know, every, you know, all 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 year long for 12 months where you're working in the church and you have a supervisor that's that's guiding you and as your mentor and and uh um 
just yeah, guiding you along in the ministry and showing you how how he does things and how things work in their context and and uh, getting to do all the all a, a lot of the ministry things that we will be doing as a pastor out in the field. It's a wonderful, it's a great experience. Lots of learning. You get lots of opportunities to preach and teach, and it's all hands-on things that that we need. And the 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 local vicarage isn't guaranteed not. for all of our second mm-hmm. career students, but it is something that pretty regularly yep. happens. So yep. what was what was mm-hmm. that like to kind of navigate the vicarage placement process? Sure. You, you were requesting yeah. to be... Yeah, so we requested to be local. And Dr. Nielsen, who, who uh, was our, is our placement director, is very open with how he, how he ranks everything out. And so you kind of know where you're at in the ranking as far as what he, what he prioritizes as most crucial to being staying local to what's not so crucial to being able to stay local, like who really needs to stay and trying to rank us all out as far as, as need to uh, stay local. So, you know, whether that be health issues or older children, wife has a job, uh, and all those kinds of things factor in and, um, uh, financial, uh, uh, financial status where you're at with your finances. He brings that in as well. So all those things, um, are, are weighed out and, so he, 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 he keeps you uh, in, uh, updated in the process. So the whole time we kind of knew where we ranked on the yeah. scale. And we kind of, when we know, I mean, we're, we know our class too. We know, we know who wants to be local and who doesn't want to look. We're, we're all, yeah. I mean, we all talk, you know. Sure. We know who, who's trying to stay local, who's not, who really needs to be local and who just really wants to stay local if they can sure, kind of yeah. thing. So, yeah. yeah. So there's, so it's not this like game or this no. like huge mystery <laughs> no. where you're just like yeah. going into this yep. service and so, people yeah. hear about the call service right. like, oh my gosh, I mm-hmm. can't go to, to yep. seminary because they're just going to, they're just yep. going to, they might not like me and yep. send me to uh, North Dakota mm-hmm. or uh, not to hate on North Dakota, <laughs> sure, but, yeah. uh, or they're going to send me to South Florida, which sure. is where they send me. And it, yeah. frankly, I, I didn't want to go to yeah. South Florida. Um I would said, yeah. don't send me any place. Yeah. I didn't. So, so when I, I, what, I didn't want to stick around St. Louis. Like we're up here. I was ready, right. to You're ready to leave. Yeah. And I, again, I tell people that I could, I could be here for the entirety of my yeah. career. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. So when call day came, I knew I was getting a local vicarage. I didn't yeah. know which one, Yeah. but when call day came, there wasn't any doubt. I, that you were I knew I was going to I was getting a local vicarage. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the only surprise was which. So I was kind of, as everybody was getting their call, I'm like, okay, <laughs> my list kept getting shorter and shorter. And so, yeah, the, the guy actually right in front of me got the, there was two locals left and the guy right in front of me got a local vicar. So right. then I knew, sure. I knew which one I was getting, but I didn't know until right there, until I was standing up there. So. And the placement process works very similarly yep. in this kind of traditional route where mm-hmm. you go in, you talk to Dr. Nielsen, yep. and you have interviews he's very open yep. about the process yep. yeah it's not a secret promises, or anything yeah. but yep. yeah yep so yeah good so that's that's kind of the traditional route mm-hmm. um even our guys that yep. are straight through sure. uh college go mm-hmm. through that route basically mm-hmm. um well then that's the route too that might kind of segue into like into a, a deferred vicarage too like maybe you need to have a local vicarage and it's just not going to work out so maybe we we, we do a deferred vicarage I'm, I'm not sure if that's how it worked out for Dion, but i know for some guys that's how it works out or they need to stay local for family reasons but and eh, there just wasn't enough this year so maybe we'll do a different route where we can defer your well, yeah. for most guys guys like me <laughs> you, you we want you to go on your vicarage in between your second and last mm-hmm. year so that you can go 
likely make some mistakes, come mm -hmm. home, work through those mistakes, or just polish things off. But Dion's a different story. Dion, been had, in Dion had already made all yeah. of his mistakes. <laughs> 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 he had all kinds of stuff to reflect I'm on. Out. I'm, out of, I'm out of mistakes. Yeah. No, and we were doing case studies in our class because mm -hmm. that's something that we did a lot of. And I'm asking guys to reflect on their vicarage. It, Dion, you, you still... Um, compared to the guys that had been on one year of Vicarage, you had a lot more years of case studies mm -hmm. than you could have worked oh, on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it, it was, uh, that was not a problem at all. But yeah, tell right. us a little bit about the deferred Vicarage route. Yeah, so deferred Vicarage, that came out of um, the need of the seminary because we had a rather large class. And so um, Dr. Nielsen was uh, searching for facility, you know, different churches and and sometimes they needed a church school combination because the uh, husband's on vicarage but the wife's a teacher yeah. or a dc and they're trying or a deaconess and they're trying to figure all that stuff out and so early on he asked um asked me to defer with confidence that um i could handle whatever i get into at the uh at the vicarage congregation and then um, my vicarage will probably be a sole pastor in a location that, you know, I'll have a supervisor from, you know, either the the circuit visitor or the um, DP. I don't know which one it'll be. Uh, but that's what it sounds like. Um, that's not all deferred vicarages. Some deferred vicarages are, you know, team ministry and, and things mm -hmm. like that. It just depends on the person. Yeah. But I wanted to make clear that uh, when Nick was saying, you know, there's criteria for, you know, sorting out who's going where. Never mm -hmm. is it your GPA. Mm. Oh, you know, the good. guy, uh, the guy yeah. who who graduates top in the class and the guy who graduates <laughs> bottom of the class both are called pastor. Mm -hmm. yep. yep, yep. And that's one of the things that we have to remember when we go through seminary that there aren't, you know, extra blue ribbons for. Yep. There's no valedictorian in the yep. class, no. and so. Um, some people are going to, it's going to be a challenge for them, and maybe they, you know, sees are what they're going to do. Um, some guys are going to, you know, maybe they have more of an ambition to, to go further, and they they want to worry about their GPA and, and doing, you know, further studies. But for a lot of us, it's just, I want to get done and get yeah. out in the field. That's yeah. what I want to do. Mm -hmm. So that's not that important. And and I, I want to preface, uh, or, or um, I guess not preface, but... Um, give a follow-up to that, which is, uh, Dion sounds like he's saying, um, my GPA didn't matter that much to me, but you're a fantastic student, so. But but I think your point is well taken, mm -hmm. yeah. is that um, it's it's not about having a 4.0 GPA right. and feeling mm -hmm. like as a mm -hmm. second career guy, man, I have to ace all my classes or else I'm gonna like get yeah. weeded out. Yep. Right. There's not that kind mm -hmm. of pressure. We just no. want you to yep. pass the classes so that you sure. can so that we can call you a pastor and yeah that, that comes out in orientation too i can remember dr mars talking about especially for second career guys don't neglect your families yeah no if uh if uh if neglecting your family means that so if you have to neglect your family to get an a you get a b yeah. A, so, yeah so i've told students so you, that too. Yeah. you have to be smarter about how you do everything than yeah. you did probably in undergrad yep. but my gpa is actually a whole point higher than it was an undergrad just because yeah. of... Oh, yeah, mine's more than... 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? You actually opened a book this <laughs> time. And that's true. That's true. I did. stuff in yeah, there. Yeah, I actually did, yeah. Since I, you didn't make it into... I do uh, homework now, so... Into yeah. NBA, you know, That's right. My up. basketball didn't work out. Yeah, that's, that's, so. that's what I told my pastor when I was in eighth grade. And I was like, pastor, I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm going to go to the NBA. I'm the best, I'm the best basketball player in this town of 2,800 people. I mean, Larry Bird. <laughs> that's right. It's one of the greatest of all time. Right. You never know. That's right. That's well, right. Well, you ended up playing on our basketball team. I, yeah, so. I, yeah, I get to be a yeah, I get to be a Concordia Seminary preacher. Even even in my I'm I'm 40 years old. I get to be the old guy on the team, but it's it's fun. I played it's on a lot the of tennis fun. team, and I wasn't the worst guy. There's, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm not the worst basketball player. Either. I, I I'm not a great tennis player. I'm not even a good or decent tennis player. But I've played it every once in a while, and I learned that being athletic against somebody who knows what they're doing doesn't help doesn't anyway. help yeah they'll yeah. just make you run yeah. all over the court yeah, yeah see i was mm-hmm. i was going to join the basketball team i told dr navsker that i or threatened him that i was going to join the basketball <laughs> team because i grew up playing ice hockey so i get all my fouls so I, just, no. I never yeah. get any points i never yeah. play offense mm-hmm. i just play defense and you know send me out there to take care yeah. of one one person and i'm good there you go That's awesome <laughs> yeah. we should probably um transition to our ripe for the picking yeah you think yeah i mean it's one of those things where like we're used to having we haven't yeah. mentioned this before but our, our regular listeners will know this is the first double guest time mm. so mm-hmm. usually one person is the focus of our attention mm. we, we do all that but uh yeah probably just I, before we got here before you got here actually because i was here before you i'm almost always here almost before you always. get here. uh my, my dad was a drill sergeant though mm. <laughs> punctuality is a thing for me um, not to say it's not for you. Anyway. It isn't. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just lost my train even, of thought. about. If you're 15 minutes early, oh, you're 10 minutes late. I, I, right. I was telling them that you're the, the time master of the show and not me. So I, while I'm here mm-hmm. on time, I don't care how long we sit here and talk. Mm-hmm. But, but we we have families to get to sure, and sure. things to get to. Schoolwork. Mm-hmm. I'm one of these overly ambitious guys who decided to get an advanced degree beyond my MDiv. And so, you know, life. Well, and I'm just excited about my um, my things from Ripe for the Pickin' because the the viewers yeah. and our listeners came through for me. They they, did. they mm-hmm. actually filled up my list of Ripe for the Pickin' or Leave It on the Tree. Um, and so, uh, yeah, shout out to Sam Sessa, to Randy Buckman, and to... Um, uh, to Sarah Golseth uh, for oh, for listening yeah. and uh, throwing me a whole bunch of stuff, um, and that is um, that some of these things uh, kind of inspire the the things that I'm going to use today. Um, the first one though is um, is one that I came up with on my own. Um, so <laughs> right for the picking or leave it on the tree. Um, I think you guys will. I, I think because of your age, I think you will you'll get this, but we'll see. Um, Festivus. First, you have to we have to see. Do you even know what that is? It's from Seinfeld. Neither of them. No. You don't know what Festivus you, is. Either. You totally lost me. I got to pick a different one. I, uh, wow. I, I will say I, I just started watching people. Netflix. I see uh, Netflix has uh, Seinfeld, so I've just started. I'm in like season two of oh, Seinfeld. Oh man, so. uh, I'm not a like I get it. <laughs> 
And I'm not going to, like, obviously, numbers mean something, but I was not one of the people who watched Seinfeld. All right. It, well, it I'm lost. moving sorry. on then. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, I guess like I can leave said, it on the tree. Like I said, that was, that was mine. So let me try <laughs> another one. I just triggered so many people by saying I've else. never watched Seinfeld. But. Oh. I've never either because seen, I lived in New York at that time. See, like, oh, why man. do I need to watch that? It's, you it's love it. I've seen clips, but that's Shout nice. out to any <laughs> listeners that know what Festivus <laughs> is. This this uh, is is airing. This, this show is airing in our advent uh, leading up to Christmas season so I did I would, I'm just glad that it's not something I'm supposed to know from the agenda you know that I was like I, I've never heard right. of this you can't yeah. be certified now. Yeah. <laughs> the liturgical season of Festivus all right how about um, this is this is uh, surely you've you've seen this uh, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer the claymation version mm-hmm. is it ripe for the pickin for you or is it leave it on the tree no, that's right for the pick. And okay, the, right for okay. the picking. Yeah, All right. got to do that. Great one, classic. Yeah. It's a classic, right? Got to watch it. When when his nose lights up and you get that. Wee, wee. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Island of Misfit Toys. The you can't Island leave of Misfit there. Toys. You yeah. got to watch Misfit every toys. year, right. otherwise they'll be forgotten. I know. Forever. I love that's it. I love good. it. I wanted to be a dentist. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> I it. it <laughs> That one was used from to be, Sam Sessa, by the way. Right so for thanks, the picker Sam. for me, but I think I like recently leave it on the tree. I don't Oof. know why. Yeah, it's not. I, it's not because I don't like it. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just lost on me now. I don't know. I grew up. I'm too old these days. I don't know. Right for the picking or leave it on the tree. Video games. Leave oh. it on the tree. Okay. I want to pick it, but I have to leave it on the tree. Otherwise, I never stop. Step. Eh, no. Okay. No. I played too many video yeah, games over yeah. Thanksgiving break. <laughs> Somebody recently told me, I was having this conversation, yeah. they were like, I don't play video games anymore because I'm an adult. I was like, what does that have to no, do with it's, anything? Yeah, it's addicting. Uh, I, I probably played I love four it. or five hours of Minecraft over a break. Nice. Sure. Nope. On, on, I, on the wrong day, I should say, I could play four or five hours of video games on a single day. But most days, my friends text me and ask me to play, and I'm like kids or mm-hmm. grad school it's one of those things it's right for the picking for me though i yeah. love video games yeah. Yeah. me too good stuff. me too right uh, for the picking all right so no, no, right no. for the picking or leave it on the tree this is a shout out to randy buckman thanks for this one country music are we talking the real country music <laughs> or today's country music now that is got... an important difference i will i will let you make the the call on that <laughs> i have johnny cash on sun records on vinyl in my apartment yes. right now. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> Johnny Cash is ripe for the picking for me, I, too. I, I picked up at uh, Goodwill the other day, Roy Clark Live. Mm. So, yeah, you know where my, yeah. Fantastic. But, of course, it's in there with all of my my 70s and but, 80s. But Keith Urban or um, some of these these yeah, guys that, that, or even like Darius Rucker. That's um, like Florida these, Georgia Line? That's seventies, oh. eighties pop music. Oh. That's and we're past that. You know, that's peaches and herb and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, exactly. I don't. Yeah, forget it. Yeah. I don't care if they sing with a twang if they're wearing <laughs> no, no lady doodads all over their jeans. Right. Know? And if you know, Dale Watson is probably the, the one that right now it, mm. he's current, but he sounds old timey. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. David Allen Coe. Yeah. Mm. All right. Sure. Leave it on the tree. All right. <laughs> 
I, I, I had this, um, this whole season in life where I was super into country music, mm-hmm. and I, I had a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. Oh, yikes. Um, my, yeah, we should find a picture, <laughs> and uh, uh, it would. Pe- my wife would say he should have left it on the tree. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like you can get a pass because you're from Indiana. But right, right, right. I, I, I don't met my wife at the state it. fair, you know. Yeah. There you go. Um, True story, but yeah, With the I would say for for, for now, um, if it was old time country, I would say ripe for the picking. I'm, I I love Johnny Cash, um, but but a lot of the modern stuff uh, is totally leave it on the tree for me. Yeah, I'm I can't do it. I I mean I'm with you. Country music is leave it on the tree for me. I, that might not surprise people, but I will say. Uh, you won't appreciate it, but me and Dorothy's first dance was Lady Antebellum, Just a Kiss. Mm. So we, I chose a country song for our first dance. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's some good country songs out there, going me wrong, but it, it's just... Yeah, but uh, you probably don't consider Lady Antebellum to be country music. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. We'll see. There we go. <laughs> Too pop for me. It's a country... Anyway, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, right for the picking, or Leave It on the Tree. And I had what I was going to ask you, and then I put my phone down. Um... Self checkout aisles. Hmm. For me, that's that's a recipe for disaster. Okay. Because you know, I, you're going to have to come and help me check out anyway. So I might as <laughs> so well, might well just well go, do it. <laughs> I might as well just go through the thing where I can greet somebody and say, "Hey, thanks for yep. doing this." Because I was going to mess up that guy's life for an hour. <laughs> you know, because I always get something wrong. And, sure. Uh, and then they're like, oh, no, you you can't do that. And it's like, come on, man. If I go over there, I can do it. So I, I gave up on them pretty early. I'm the reason they still have people and, and still have <laughs> checkout lines. That's fair. My wife does most of the shopping. So when I go shopping, it's just like a, a few items. So I just go to self-checkout just to get in and out. So I guess for me, it's uh, uh, right for the picking for the kind of shopping that I do. Yeah, I, would, I, I do... A lot of our shopping, we use Instacart now. So, uh, but um, but I I like grocery shopping. So um, yeah, I was just at the grocery store. Well, I almost was there two times in the same day because mm. um, I'm the go get stuff. So yeah, it was check, yeah. self checkout line. So right for the picking for me. Yeah. I, well, I so I I studied at Westfield House in England. It's always a little bit in front of us when it comes to technology, which mm. which just gets my pot going because Dorothy's British and Mm -hmm. I don't she always this phrase the sun never sets on the British Empire well anyway Mm -hmm. so it's annoying when they're ahead of us but that's when I first got involved with it and we they had something like Instacart I don't like Instacart because I don't think they pick up the produce and things that I want that's the problem and that's 100% it drives me crazy but yeah I'm a big self-checkout person and when no offense somebody's slowing down the machine (laughs) It's like, it's you know, there were, there's a line over there for you. I know my place. I'm not going to mess with you. I'm going over there. I'm going um, to, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a complete product of my generation. Convenience is everything yeah. to me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. All right. So um, this one is uh, thanks to Sarah Golseth. Um, sushi, ripe for the picking. Mm-hmm. Leave it on the tree. Leave it on the tree. Oh. Quick to the point. Yeah, I'll leave it on the tree. No. Oh, I've tried. I've tried. It just doesn't work. Maybe I just haven't had good sushi. I don't know. Totally ripe for the picking for me. I love sushi. No. I love, love, love sushi. It, it, I, it took me a while to answer because I, 
you know, when we lived in New York, it was a Korean neighborhood. Yeah. And so I learned yeah. I learned to eat it. Sure. And like seared tuna, I like that. So it took a little while. It's If you said, let's go out and get something to eat, I probably wouldn't say, hey, yeah, let's go for sushi. But if everybody else was cool with it, then I'd, I'd go along. There's a great sushi place here in St. Louis. And uh, recently I took a couple of our enrollment team members, and it was all you can eat sushi. And literally, we hurt ourselves. Uh, we, yeah. we went for it because they they charged you for pieces that you don't eat. Mm. Oh, so interesting. It was, so it was like fifty cents for a half piece, or a dollar for a whole piece if you don't eat it after mm. you've ordered it. Um, so I was like, "Well, I'm getting my money's worth." Mm. It was a challenge. So. They 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 went for my birthday mm. when I was not in town. I'm just gonna throw that in there. You know, I'm a host of a podcast. I get to say yeah, stuff true. like that. I wasn't gonna say. I wasn't gonna say. You noticed that I said a few enrollment team members. Right. So. I'll bring it up. That's all right. Uh, no hurt feelings. <laughs> It's, it's just life these days, right? Uh, arrive for the picking or leave it on the tree. You're going to stay with the food theme. Mm-hmm. Mall food courts. Mm. If it's got a Chick-fil-A, I'm good. Okay. And it's I mean, not Sunday. You know. I was going to say, yeah, that, the timing of that one matters a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. It, do, does Chick-fil-A and the mall food courts stay open on Sundays? They do not. Oh, nope. okay. All right. No. Nope. I don't, I don't not think so. Not in Iowa, anyway. Okay. They probably don't <laughs> anywhere. I think that's no. a thing. Yeah, that's nope. a thing. Nope. No, it's right for the picking for me. You bet. I love fast food. Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I'm the same. I love mm. mall food courts. Uh, just the food mm-hmm. there is just the greasiness of it, the homemadeness yeah. of it. Yeah. There's the hard only, thing for me is like only going to one. It's like, well, can I get a few of them? That's that's when you get, go to the one where like Samples. you get like yeah. you do the world tour. A meat like you get three meats and noodles it's or rice right. or something right. like that. Then right. you get a yeah. little bit of everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the only one that's right for the picking for me is Panda Express. Okay. Um, yeah. Or 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 Chinese food in general. Mm-hmm. But that's the only thing that I'll order from a mall food court. Mm. Everything else for me is absolute trash. Leave it on the tree. What about like the ones that are like the Cajun Cafe where you could get bird Do and I chicken? Look like a, we, I we've had this con- Cajun food. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> we, we have this conversation spicy, I take it. all the time that Ben is such a, a pretentious I'm eater. I'm sweating thinking about yeah. Cajun food, man. We're, we're both foodies and I like yeah. high quality food. Uh, and there are some things that I only like high quality. I can be very bougie, but I'm also a very, I like pizza rolls and mm. emos. I'm so lactose like, intolerant and I don't yeah. like spice. <laughs> ben doesn't eat toasted ravioli. I think that's the most offensive thing. Anyway, mm. <laughs> got a, got a question whether you can stay in St. Louis long term. It is delicious, man. We'll have it anyway. Well, uh, this has been a lot of fun. This has yeah, been fun. Thanks absolutely. for having me. Oh, thanks yep. for coming on. And this is one of those. Uh, occurrences where a listener uh, wrote an email and said, hey, mm-hmm. I'm currently second career thinking about ministry. I, I think it'd be really beneficial and helpful for other guys who are in yep. a career already but have little strings pulling on them thinking about ministry. So could you have an episode with yeah. second career guys? So Great. if you're listening, uh, we do read the emails. We do read the comments and occasionally respond. We can't do everybody's idea because, you know. Yeah, you can't just do everybody's idea. But, but we read the YouTube yeah. comments. A couple of people have shouted out at me on Twitter, um, so I'm, I'm, we're, we're findable on social yeah. media. If you, uh, yeah, shout out to us. Yeah. If you had to give uh, one piece of advice for anybody thinking about considering going into church work, what, what would that be? I was, I've been thinking, especially for second career guys. Um, 
don't, I know for me, you have a family, right? You have a wife, you have kids. And it's like, am I being irresponsible by, uh, by leaving my, quitting my job and, and going to seminary, I think could be a big, mm. a big hurdle to have to overcome. And I know that was one for me too, having to rationalize that and just knowing um, one of the great blessings uh, for me personally and for my family for coming here, being able to see firsthand how, how God <laughs> cares for his people. Mm. Um, we've, I, you know, it was a big, it was scary to quit my job, sell my house and move to the seminary, try and still be able to have a wife and kids. But, um, there are so many, so many generous people, um, that, that, uh, want to, that, that want to give to the church and that want to, uh, provide for people going at guys and gals going into the ministry to be a deaconess or a pastor that, uh, the, the, the financial support that we've received to help, um, keep us good, you know, uh, ha, has been overwhelming. Um, so I would just say that if, if the financial part of it is, is something that's rightfully holding you back, especially if you're a second career guy with, with kids and a, and a wife and a family that, uh, it can, it can be done. Um, it, it and there's a lot of support out there. I've been, I was, I, I'm still, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, in awe and thankfulness, gratefulness and shock of all the, all the wonderful, uh, support that, that people, that I've never even met and that I probably never will meet, um, giving to the so seminary good. to support us. So that's awesome. So good. Yeah. I, I'd have to say, um, just do it, you there know, you yep. um, put it in God's hands where it belongs. Cause that's where you're going to find the rest of your life yeah. is just putting it in God's hands and, and he'll, you know, mm-hmm. he'll carry you through. That's just, you, you can't do it any other way. It's you either have to trust him to make it all work out for you. Um, or, you know, don't go, if you can't, if you can't learn to trust God, ministry is going to be really hard. Mm. Uh, if you're always second guessing that this is what, what you're supposed to be doing. So if mm-hmm. you've got that feeling, you already know yep. that there's a call there and that you're being yanked on, um, not that we're called to seminary, but called into ministry. Yeah. Um, so pursue it until you get a no, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, when you get a solid no, then you know, it's not for you yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you just need to keep poking and prodding a couple yep. couple times down the road. But um, you never know how circumstances are going to change, and God's going to open the door. That's so awesome. put it yeah. in His hands. That's where it belongs. Amen. Awesome. Uh, well, Nick, Dion, thanks again for joining us. Uh, it's been a blast and pleasure. God's blessings on the rest of the term. God's blessings on the rest of the year. Uh, I'm sure that both of you guys are going to be great, well beyond the walls here of Concordia Seminary here in St. Louis. And thank you for uh, being students here and for uh, joining us in this this career path uh, of becoming pastors to serve God's church, to bring the gospel to all people, and to bring more and more into the body of Christ. Uh, and thank you all for tuning in. Uh, if you're listening or watching on YouTube, uh, we're still doing a book giveaway uh i haven't always been explicit in this but if if we don't currently have your information here at the seminary and you're sitting on the fence whether or not you want to become uh, a seminarian uh, there's going to be a link in the description to our request for information Uh, and if you click that link and and fill out the form in the comments right under the fig tree uh, ben is going to send you a book yeah, and I haven't sent those books out. So if you're like, yeah, you've said that a couple times, and I still haven't gotten the book. Trust me, I got your information, and I'm getting to that. So, 
We'll get the book to you, hopefully before Christmas. Did you get a free book? I didn't get, I, I didn't get a free book. So oh, this is that's fantastic. Well, 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 you, well you can't you can't say yeah. that. I was a student here, and I got lots of free books when well, I became a student. I mean, here. before I came a student, became a student. I there we go. Yeah. Oh, well, me and Ben weren't doing this podcast before you guys. That's true. Uh, so that's true. The, the, just just the timing. Admissions, yeah. Uh, yeah, the admissions yeah, department yeah, is yeah. is, uh, is, a is so so great now. Well, we appreciate you guys not waiting a couple of years, but had yeah. you waited a couple of years, you might have got a free book. That's all right. Anyway. You're right. You're right that we have gotten free books since we've been here, so or some free books. So it's we out. we might be able we might be able to give our guests. A free book. Well, I think we'll you were see. talking about. Then I hear sculptor spirit. I think so. We already had to buy that one. So. Oh well, there you go. But uh, but it's a good book, yeah. so it'll be fun fun it's, to get to. So yeah, if you get it, you can already uh, read it before you come, and you'll be ahead. There you go. There you it's go. Just being ambitious. That's right. Uh, if you're listening, also if you're a listener, and uh, you yourself are a pastor or already a a church worker uh, or a parishioner and you know somebody who you think might be a good church worker in the future, uh, Mm -hmm. don't keep it to yourself. Please let them know. Uh, Share under the fig tree with them. Have them fill out the RFI so we can get in contact with them, uh, get to know who they are, bring them on our campus, let them get an inside uh, look of what it looks like to become uh, both a seminarian and, and a potential future pastor or deaconess we would love to meet them uh and as always thank you for tuning in under to under the fig tree we'll see you next time